We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It might not be the right game to point at and say X marks the spot, but since you're talking about how difficult it is to find a quarterback, any doubt in your mind that the 49ers have already found theirs? I don't know yet. I'm not... Kyle Shanahan has had people make up his mind for him over and over again on his quarterback. And what what if what if he looks awful against the Eagles? Which is not out of the realm of possibility just no. because the Eagles are so good defensively. Now it's become a now it becomes a debate again. I don't I'm not signing off on anything quarterback related until Kyle Shanahan announces this is my guy and then can guarantee that he won't get his ankle bent. Just I don't want to yeah, we we got the rest of the week to get into Philadelphia by the way and and we are booking some great guests out of Philadelphia. You know who else we need to book out of Philadelphia? You know who's going to have the longest week in Philadelphia? Kate Scott. <laughs> Kate Scott has done a great look. You got to play to the town you're in. Right when you're a play-by-play person as well, she's just since she got to Philadelphia, she rightly has been pro Philadelphia, pro Sixers, pro Phillies, and I have seen on her Twitter timeline, "Go Birds, Go Birds." Several. I mean, she's even speaking the local language, "Go Birds." I'm gonna tell you right now, Kate Scott is a living, breathing, diehard 49ers fan. She's gonna. She got a long, long week trying to throw people off that track. That's fine, but you know what? You just have to not have anybody trace you because when you're in the town, and you're in that, when you're in that business, working for a team that has a relationship, working for a station that has a relationship with a team, you give up everything. You say, "Oh no, no! I've, you've always been my favorite team." I. That's a business decision, and I'm not going to bury her for it. Forget about the business decision. Because no, I'm not she, burying her for it at all. I'm afraid that somebody's going to turn around in a Sixer game and throw a D-cell battery at her that says, go birds on it. And she will turn around and punch them out. She would. So, you know, caveat emptor on that. If she ends up getting a job in Detroit, she'll be the biggest Lions fan in town. That's the, that's the coin of the realm now. You have to become an aggressive homer, even for teams that aren't paying you. I'd love to see you move to another market. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, Ray's going to go right for uh, uh, with the Arizona Republic, and uh, and he's going to do Arizona Sports Talk Radio. He's going to be a big Coyotes fan, big Sun Devils guy. Ray's going to really like the Diamondbacks. All of a sudden, I see it in Bumgarner again. The lefty's back. No, no, I I don't make mistakes like you can hear it off the bat. <laughs> and the hey, truth is, Joey's going to be good. Joey Bart's going to be good. Since you picked Arizona. 
Coyotes are 14th in their conference. Suns just moved into a tie for eighth in theirs. You like Kyler the Murray, don't you? You love Kyler. Dead last. Kyler. You mean the de facto general manager of the team? And the Diamondbacks, a distant fourth. You don't have to be a fan of any team in that town. That town is already wired for failure. In fact, other than Arizona basketball, I don't know if they've got much of anything at all. That's just that's kind of what they got right now. And that's and, and, and that's I, Tucson. And I don't mean and I don't mean to dog Arizona. You you get what you get. But you know, right now, if you're being nice to all those teams, you got no respect in town. You have to pay for every drink you order. Maybe you retire in San Diego. All of a sudden, you're walking around wearing one of those rainbow bright Padres jerseys. Big fan. No, when I retire. <laughs> I am so done with this. <laughs> oh, this is fun. I'll tell you, you know, uh, the NFL really is easier to cover. As a media member, the game is easier to cover on your own couch. Because you got your clicker in your hand. You can toggle back a play. You can make a note. You can make sure you get it right. You can you can watch and rewatch during a commercial break. You can go check something out. And it's an easier game to cover, I believe, from your own couch. But where you don't turn into a media member is when you start really learning about how a game is going to play out. And that does happen in pregame warm-ups. And you're not privy to see those from your own couch. And one of the things that I noticed yesterday, and Tim Kawakami noticed yesterday when he started tweeting about it, was when Marr was warming up. He did not have a particularly good warm-up. As a matter of fact, a buddy of mine who, uh, let's just say, will take that bet if you can't get it in legally. He asked me, he's like, how do you feel, Damon, about... uh, an old Connecticut buddy of mine, mobbed up real good. Uh, he was saying, Damon, how do you feel about... Uh, That's a redundancy, by the way. It really is. But just for the kids who don't know, who thinks it all happens in Philadelphia and New York, there's this little state of Connecticut in which gamblers and murderers move freely at all times. It's halfway to Providence. Sure is. Um, y- y- you mean the town or the, the theoretical town? town. No, the okay. town, which is <laughs> genuinely mobbed up. Genuinely, no doubt. Um Jerry Jones went out on the field to talk to Marr during his pregame warm-ups when he was missing from both sides of the field. And Kawakami pointed out, like, I've never seen an owner saunter out to a kicker to talk to them and, like, calm them down or threaten his life or, or whatever Jerry told him when he was out there. But that was one of those, I'm glad I'm in this press box right now because if I were sitting at home, I wouldn't have been able to see that. Well, it's interesting because I saw the Kawakami tweet and then somebody responded to him and said, Jerry does that before every game and not just with Marr. He wants everybody on the roster to know that he's looking at him. Oh, yeah. He, he, and so, he's a peacock. Oh, peacock, please. He's an entire flock. So apparently this is something that Brett Marr has to endure every week where the 85-year-old owner starts telling you how to do your job. Um, and even if even if Jerry Jones has magic words, they worked yesterday. I mean, that that 43-yard field goal in the second half, that looked like it might actually change the course of the game for a few minutes. And then it didn't. But he got unyipped, let's put it that way. Uh, by the way, it is a great strategy to 
you know, you can't miss a field goal if someone blocks it, right? It goes down as a block, not a miss. So thank you, Samson Ebukam. Thank you so much for blocking my first point after touchdown. Oh, yeah, because, it, I mean, Greg Olson on on the broadcast couldn't wait to get that out of his face. I bet. said he was missing that anyway. And he had an awfully good day yesterday. Olsen did. Did he? he? He was very, very good. And I usually don't expect like much of those guys. Yeah. Um, he's eclipsed Tony Romo as maybe the preeminent analyst in the sport. Really? That said, he's a Tom Brady retirement away from going back to a lot of Browns-Titans games. Because that's how that works. I'll tell you right now, the the inner and I and I think Burkhart, Kevin Burkhart is is a is a good play by play guy. The other like Joe Davis, Joe Davis to me does it, and he's a good he's a good Dodger broadcaster, but in football, it just he he feels like a generic guy. It feels like you could get out of Joe Davis what you'd get out of an awful lot of play by play guys. Like I grew up where you know, play-by-play guys and broadcasting teams were legendary. It feels like they're paying these guys more than ever before now, yet they've never been more interchangeable and forgettable in real time as it's happening. It's really weird. They ordered the Neapolitan, but it's still all vanilla. It's because the guys who, you know, who you remember are either guys who have had years to perfect what their style is or guys who bring flavor with them and then get weeded out pretty quickly because more and more television is a conservative medium and they don't they want the play-by-play guy to be less noticeable than the analyst i mean what analyst is you know just telling you what's going on. That was the thing about Olsen yesterday. He explained why the Schultz play was a bad play. And he broke down everything that the Cowboys were doing wrong down the stretch. Tony Romo doesn't do that anymore. Tony Romo's a showbiz guy now. Here we go, Jim. Yeah. It just he 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 bought into his own attention and is now essentially useless to me. He read he read his own articles. Oh d- boy did he. Well, he read his own contract. And he read the, the the Corona deal. He goes, "I'm a star now." Greg Olson is at the stage of his career. Where he goes, "No, I have to. I have to win with smarts." And those are the best guys, but they get weeded out fast. And he will be weeded out by Tom Brady as soon as Brady wants to bigfoot his way into the number one booth, which he will. Romo was at his best when he was telling you what he saw at the line of scrimmage and what was about to happen. I mean, yes, he would call plays and. He would he would put a quarterback's attention so properly on what it's about to be on. It was like listening. Honestly, you know who was also great at telling you what was about to happen right before it happened? Joe Morgan. When Joe Morgan was doing baseball, he would tell you this next pitch is going to be a slider down and away. And that next pitch, 85% of the time, was a slider down and away. I mean, he, he knew that game implicitly. Yeah, but the farther away you get from the game, the more the game changes whether you want it to or not and you can't rely on your memories after a while. And that's just 
And as games are changing more radically, all all sports, the way the game is played is radically different than it was 10 years ago. Sure so is. the longer you're there, if you're an analyst, the harder it is to keep up. Uh, uh, my memory isn't quite what it used to be, Ray. So I wrote down what I thought were the five biggest moments of the game, and here we are in our 5 o'clock hour. See what I'm doing? See how that lines up nice numerically? Five for five. Here we go. The five biggest moments of the game, starting with the biggest. Late third quarter, Purdy gets sacked on third and nine, but the drive is extended by a holding call. Kittle was grabbed right around his hips. This was not home cooking. The very next play as well was another holding call. So now what could have been a drive that stalled out somewhere around the 30-40 is down at the 10-yard line. Kyle Juszczyk runs it on first down. You gain eight yards. That is the end of the third quarter. And then the very first play of the fourth quarter, you had this happen. Kevin Burkhart on Fox. It was a huge moment. The best drive of the game for the 49ers. It was a 10-play, 91-yarder, capped by the Christian McCaffrey rushing touchdown. But it was all kept alive by a holding call on George Kittle, who talked about it after the game. I knew it was third down. It was a play we installed on Friday. It's a, re- a high red zone play. It was definitely not the look that we thought we were going to get, but the guy was squatting it. I mean, I just had a post route across the middle, and he was sitting on it heavy, and he was sitting in a chair, and I knew that if I just got on and watching the tape, they liked to hold and grab a little bit, and he put both arms around my waist and kind of tripped one of my legs. I was like, well, I'm not going to get away from this because he's holding me so bad, so I'm just going to fall, and it's exactly what happened. I had a play last week where I got literally tackled in the middle of my route, and the back ref was like, hey, if you would have thrown it to you, you know, I would have thrown a flag and i was like i can't catch the ball from on the ground man hey great referee play but that one I, i'm definitely just gonna sell it as hard as i can because i i mean it was a flag regardless but if i went down you know, i'm just happy since the drive and we score a touchdown and he actually didn't have to sell it that hard because the flag came out right away well he I mean, saw donovan wilson just grab him and it was an easy call it was and, an easy but flag by the time that kittle looked up with his arms out you could already see the flag flying so he didn't have to sell that one by the way, 707, horrible take on Joe Morgan. You're forgetting how terrible he really was. The fire Joe Morgan was a bus road. Yeah, those people were jackasses, and all you saw was the very last of he's inc- incredibly old now. I'm talking about in his prime, John Miller, Sunday Night Baseball, ESPN, 1995, Joe Morgan. State of the art. No, no it, I mean, he, is, he was like every other analyst. Eventually, they run out of stuff to say. And the game changes, and they can't keep up. And he became, you know, and I love Joe Morgan as a player. He became more and more of a character and less and less an oracle of the game. Um, I'm, I'm not going to badmouth him at all because the change that happened to him is the change that happens to everybody. You just get old. You get old. And take it from me, I've been old for almost all my life. How much older can you get? I guess we're going to find out. Yeah, I'll get I'll get re- I'll get redlined at some point. Who deteriorates faster, quicker, El Stroco Loco or Ratto? Oh no, I'm I'm already so far ahead of you. You can't. You could die tomorrow and not catch up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So five biggest moments of the game to me the that the, the play that kept the 49ers field goal unit or punting unit off the field 
in the only touchdown they scored the afternoon. That, to me, is the biggest moment of the entire game. Second biggest moment of the game, 2.44 left in the half, third and seven. Dallas swings it to Pollard, and he gets stopped short by Dre Greenlaw, setting up a fourth and four on fourth down. Dak, he sees single high safety, and the quarterback draw is, I don't know if it's called or he just took what the 49ers were giving him. They had stacked the line, but no one was behind that stacked line. And Dak had his best moment of the day when he called his own number and said, I'm going to keep it for a little hey diddle diddle Dak Prescott up the middle. Two plays later, he throws his second interception of the day, this one to Fred. Prescott in! Second interception today for the 49ers. Pollard got hurt on that series, by the way, and that is about as big of a moment that happened in that game as well because the one guy who might have really done a a, a decent job giving Dak a little something to work with out of the backfield since he wasn't seeing downfield very well or didn't have many places to put the ball downfield, the... The Dallas Cowboys were working the flats like it was wing night. I mean, they were just, every, everything was six yards and underneath. Everything that they did. Everything was to the sideline, six yards and underneath, working the flats all day. Tony Pollard would have worked much better with that being the offensive concept than Ezekiel Elliott, who couldn't have caught a cold yesterday. Well, he's not designed to. That's not what his game is. No, and Pollard got hurt the play before the interception and after the the Prescott conversion. And that's when, in my mind, the game changed. Because at that point, the Cowboys were at best one-dimensional, and given the fact that Prescott was not having a good day, they became essentially no-dimensional. They were done at that point, in my mind. Third biggest moment of the day started with the ultimate puckering moment of the day for 49ers fans at that game yesterday. Anger gets it away. Short liner of a kick. McLeod catches it over his head. Oh, he lost the ball. It is loose. It looked like Dallas recovered. Well, this is big, obviously. Who's going to come out with it? After the ball was kicked, I thought I saw a Dallas player. Yeah, that's Cowboys have it. Kevin Burkhardt again on Fox, and uh, that was... A huge moment, but not bigger than the 49ers defense bowing up and holding the Cowboys to a game-tying field goal right after that fumbled punt return by Ray-Ray McLeod. That was a massive moment in the game. Because if the Cowboys grabbed the lead right there, who knows how the rest of that game feels. So I thought that that was absolutely huge. Fourth biggest moment of the game, 49ers defense getting burnt for a long completion. The longest of the day from Dak to C.D. Lamb in mid-third quarter and still forcing a punt from their own 40-yard line. And to me, that was the moment where I thought Dallas doesn't think, or Dallas's head coach, Mike McCarthy, doesn't think he can do it today. Like that, I, I cannot believe that that was another, all right, we're going to go to the line on fourth down, but we're going to call Fugazi, 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 and we're not actually going to snap this ball. I, I thought for sure they were going to snap the ball to the point where they tried to, I think, 
I'm like, they're going to try to make it look like a Fugazi. And then Dak is going to come walking up under center like you're going to have the balls to snap it there. And that's where they're going to really snap it. Like, that's where the play is going to come from. No, no, they punted there, too. And I thought that is when, you know, Mike McCarthy did something that's going to be criticized the most on Monday. I thought that was going to be it. And then Mike McCarthy ran the dumbest football play of all time at the end of the game, which didn't even make my list. Real quick, though, the fifth biggest moment of the game was when the 49ers came out and chewed clock like it was bubblegum. 13 plays, 64 yards, taking 7.59, nearly eight minutes off the clock when it was, if Dallas gets it back, they're going to have a lot of time to work with and operate. And then Dallas dropped like the worst final 259 of a playoff game that you can see. I mean, they had two timeouts. They had plenty of time with three minutes left on the clock there, and not a single thing got executed the rest of the game. Biggest drive of Dak Prescott's entire life. He throws a near pick six. He misses a wide open Michael Gallup, and then on third down, he gets sacked. $40 million a year and I wouldn't trade you Brock Purdy for him right now. No way, no how. No how. I mean, it. I, I couldn't believe how bad Dak was a week after he had been so good. That's a testament to D'Amico Ryans and this defense, obviously. Well, and it's also a testament to the fact that there's no such thing as momentum between games. It's that you're playing a different team. You're a different team. I mean, that that's one of the things that's under undermentioned about football is that one of the reasons why most teams don't win 11 games in a row or 12 games in a row in this case now is that you have variances in the way you execute. You can have the same game plan, but you're playing a different team on a different day under different circumstances. A lot of things are a lot different. I mean, right now, if you wanted to believe in that theory, you have to say that the Eagles are prohibitive favorites to win on Sunday because they just boat race the Giants. Well, the 49ers are better than the Giants, and the Eagles are better than the Cowboys. You will get a radically different game. Um, it's just, that's the nature of it. We think that the last thing we saw is the thing that endures. And in fact, the last thing we saw is only the last thing we saw. The next thing that happens is going to be wildly different than that. And the thing after that is going to be wildly different. There's momentum within games, but not between them. I agree. And we got the rest of this week to talk Philadelphia Eagles, but I do want to pass this on to you right here because this is significant, right? Dating back to week 13, the Eagles defense has 39 sacks over its last 28 quarters of football. That's the highest total over a seven-game span within a same season in the last 30 years. In other words, the Eagles are coming. Not only do they have a defensive line that can wreck shop, but they have the best offensive line in football. If yesterday was a day of trench warfare, just wait until noon on Sunday in Philadelphia. And by the way, for those who wanted to find out, it is a noon kickoff for the 49ers in Philadelphia. 3 o'clock Philly time, noon our time, followed at 3.30 our time with the AFC title game. NFC title game will be going first, which Ray is going to give a distinct advantage to the NFC representative. They will have about three and a half more hours to prepare for the Super Bowl. Oh, hugely. That's a big Except deal. for the fact that both staffs have already started preparing for both of teams course the other they, conference. Of course they have. They're, they will already be up to speed by... Wednesday of this week. But you know what you can't prepare for? This. 
Final play, it looks like barring a penalty. Prescott over the middle of the turret. Gets smoked right away. And that'll do it. The 49ers back to the championship game. Kevin Burkhart one more time on Fox. And unfortunately, we don't have a layout of that formation. Because it's the weirdest, which is the nicest way for me to say the dumbest formation I have seen on a football field, on a professional football field, like in my life. I, I could not believe what the Dallas Cowboys were trying to set up there. And I haven't heard it explained anywhere. I haven't heard Mike McCarthy can't explain to me what the hell was supposed to happen there if all the stars had aligned, if everything went perfect. What was supposed to happen there? Were you lateraling to a wide receiver who then lateraled to another crossing wide receiver? Was that lateral supposed to go back to Ezekiel Elliott, who unfortunately wasn't around for a lateral because Aziz Al Shair decided to bury him like a seed? that you would plant in a garden. I mean, he just got... That's that's one of the... Like Michael Irvin said earlier, like, that can't be the last play of Ezekiel's career in a Dallas Cowboy uniform. He deserves to go out better than that. Uh, that was something else. Roger Sherman of The Ringer. Did you read this one, right? what he wrote? Yeah. Now, you probably don't get this because this is a movie reference. This is from Billy Madison, which is an Adam Sandler movie. Adam Sandler is a comedian who used to be on Saturday Night Live. Have you heard of Adam Sandler? Don't patronize me. Well, just checking. Uh, Roger Sherman of The Ringer. At no point in the Cowboys' rambling, incoherent final play were they even close to anything that could be considered a rational football thought. That play was completely dead on arrival because the Cowboys forgot to poke breathing holes in its traveling container. <laughs> he then says, earlier in the game, McCarthy chose to punt in a pair of questionable scenarios while facing a fourth and five at the opposing 40-yard line. We already talked about that. And then a punt leading to a go-ahead touchdown for San Francisco. And later, while trailing by seven with two minutes left, he attempted a field goal while trailing by seven. And then the Cowboys, they never scored again. I mean, it it was a lay down and die because not only are you not executing, but this coach has no confidence in this team to execute anything that looks like an actual football play. So he decided to go full-on abstract artiste for the final play of the game, which Dalton Schultz was a little responsible for because Dalton Schultz did not buy an amount of yardage which could have set up a good old-fashioned Hail Mary. But it's interesting that you say that Mike McCarthy showed no confidence in his offense. Based on what we're seeing today from the Cowboys, in which they are basically beating Dak Prescott with a shovel, that maybe this has been going on for a while and that they don't have confidence in him and if they don't have confidence in him then play cooper rush if it's gotten to the point where you it alters the way you play and then the next day you cannot wait to bury him in public then don't play him i mean i i realize that sounds stupid but so is this i mean if you're going to punt the ball in two desperate situations one more desperate than the other and the next day you're going to say, we failed because our quarterback failed us. Then make the switch. You know, if you can't sell that to your team, they're not going to play hard for you anyway. But 
that's what it feels like to me with a day of hindsight that they don't believe in Dak Prescott anymore. And the way he started, he didn't give them any reason to think otherwise. I mean, they've been, it almost seems like there were, they were looking for a reason for him to fail. And as soon as they found it, it changed what they did and the way they did it. And so maybe this is Cowboys party line in action. Because I don't believe that Mike McCarthy has the independence of movement to defy the, defy the owner. And I have to believe that based on that tweet, the owner is the one dictating the narrative now. And it's just like they're setting a tone for a goodbye. Yeah. And it would seem. Who wants Dak at 40 mil? <laughs> Cowboys have to eat at least half of that. Oh, that at least, if not, oh, more, probably. I mean, twenty million for a starting quarterback is still a song in this league. So you eat half of that, you're good. Nah, I'm. I think given what what the Cowboys are doing, teams will know how desperate they are to get rid of them, and they will drive they will drive them into a bargain. And money, frankly, is no object for Jerry Jones when he wants something, or in this case, doesn't want something. I mean, if I'm another team, even if I need a quarterback, I'm going. Yeah, you're going to pick up three quarters of this, or we can't do business. I mean, but, here's the thing, though. They were good enough to be in that game. I mean, they got beat by a better team. Oh, oh, and Dak oh, looked bad. Dak looked bad. But to tear it all down without a better plan, unless you're really going down to the studs. Like, to me, a trading of Dak means, well, we might as well be talking coach at that point, too. And now you are drafting a quarterback high. So you're trading up early to draft a quarterback high. And this is a full-on, multiple-year rebuild. And what Jerry Jones doesn't have a lot of, like you <laughs> or me, is time. It's no, this time. is, this yeah, is why mean, it won't be a full rebuild. And Mike McCarthy is going to have this job next year. Because Jerry Jones again. said today that it, he hasn't changed his mind about McCarthy. And last week, his mind about McCarthy is, he's my coach and I'm keeping him. They've decided what they're going to do here. And they just telegraphed it. I mean, whoever approved that tweet is grossly unaware of the level of leverage that they gave away with that. Because they just, they simply made it company policy that Dak Prescott is responsible for. I mean, yeah, I guess you could turn around and blame it on the social media guy. No, the social media guy's not doing that unless somebody tells him Jerry wants this. Or they're really pissed. Even if they're pissed, they don't do that. I mean, nobody does that unless you're sending out a message. I mean, it's like, and this is, you know, I know off your radar, but the Vancouver Canucks, oh God, who just fired their coach, Bruce Boudreau today, announced back in October that they were already looking at replacements for him. It's a sign you might want to show up at work with a milk crate. Uh, you know, he knew it then. But let him hang till the middle of January. All of a sudden, keeping a secret is considered bad management form. But this is, I mean, this is more than that. Because you don't have to worry about leverage with a coach. You just fire him and move on to the next guy. But when you're talking about a $40 million investment, and you're going, ah, we're just going to put him on the lawn like a frat house couch. You know, you're basically saying... If you want him, we'll pick up most of the freight because we don't want him anymore. I love a good lawn couch. Always have, always will. You don't mind. You don't mind the smell of no. old vomit. <laughs> uh, no, it just that's that's the thing here. Is it? I think this is all part of a greater message, which is 
we don't believe in our offense, and we're going to coach like it because we believe he plays like it. How about this? You got two $40 million hard problems to solve at quarterback because Tom Brady is a $40 million cap hit for the Buccaneers next year unless they trade him. Tom Brady, the Dallas Cowboys for Dak, straight up. Who says no? Brady. And the reason why Brady says no is because he can't run the Cowboys because Jerry Jones already has that job. Tom Brady is not going to a place where he doesn't have absolute influence over his surroundings to the point where... So Raiders it is. Quite possibly. Or maybe maybe the Bucks just say, nah, you're going to play it out here. I mean, I, again, you know, I'm not one to get over my skis about predicting what's going to happen unless the team walks me up to it and says, this is what's going to happen. Would would the Cowboys be thrilled to be able to get rid of Prescott and get anybody, let alone Tom Brady? Absolutely. But Tom Brady does not take orders from anybody. And here's, can I just say one thing too, is that the last thing we as a country need is the media circus that is Tom Brady as a Dallas Cowboy. Because Tom Brady is the second most covered team in this league, and Dallas is the most covered team in this league. You put the two of them together, there isn't another team covered in an hour of SportsCenter ever, probably. I mean, today, you would have a hard-pressed time anywhere in the national media finding the headline, 49ers advance to the NFC title game. The headline is simply, Cowboys do not advance to the NFC title game. They have sucked so much oxygen out of the NFL's media room. And this is Jerry Jones' greatest accomplishment, keeping this team relevant through what is now nearly three decades of playoff irrelevance. Um, Teams with more recent conference championship appearances. Would you like to hear the list, Ray? I've seen the list, and it is comprehensive. Chiefs, Niners, Bengals, Eagles, Rams, Bills, Packers, Buccaneers, Titans, Saints, Patriots, Vikings, Jaguars, Falcons, Steelers, Panthers, Cardinals, Broncos, Seahawks, Colts, Ravens, Giants, Bears, Jets, Chargers, Raiders. You'd have had you'd have had even more effect if you could say these are the teams that haven't done it. One, it would take a lot less time. Yes. And it would basically put the the Cowboys in league with the Cleveland Browns and the Detroit Lions. I mean, just ongoing laughingstocks. They are the sexy Detroit Lions. Yeah. With with kind of crappier uniforms. I will say this. Dallas Cowboys got great uniforms. They're not as good as the Lions uniforms. Well, it depends on which uniform the Lions are rocking. What I do respect about Dallas is they're like, hey, unless you make us take these off, we're wearing these white ones. And and I, I'll, I'll say this. I went home to Jillian, who hates the Cowboys. She grew up in San Francisco. She grew up in the 80s. She hates the Cowboys. And I'll say, because she knows what I think. Look, I can tell you about the 49ers and their uniforms. Some of the most glorious uniforms there are. And that yesterday was a sexy uniform matchup. But there is really something to the Dallas Cowboys running out of that tunnel. And you're like, oh, dude, the Cowboys are here today. Like, this is this just got this got serious. Like, this is the Dallas freaking Cowboys. I remember the first time I was at a Big Ten game in Michigan came running out of that tunnel. I'm like, oh, damn, the Michigan Wolverines are here today. I'm like, this is a big football game, isn't it? Whether we want it to be or not, by definition of them being on the field, it's a big game, and those are great uniforms 
I feel that way about the Cowboys. And I think Cowboys fans, to be honest, filled with sodium pentothal, would tell you the same thing about the Niners. Niners, great uniforms. And that's a when they, when marquee they, franchise. When they boy. don't go to the stupid shadowed numbers, that that's not a good look. I but, don't mind the shadowed numbers as long as it's an all-white uni. Now, I'll, I'll, I, I don't prefer them, but I'll take okay. that. Well, the Cowboys, once they abandoned the silver pants, which is really what set that uniform off, that lost something. They were wearing silver pants yesterday. No, I thought they were white yesterday. No. They were I mean, you know, not glistening sparkly silver, but yeah, they they weren't they weren't Wait, was it was it 1970s silver? I don't know what I because I didn't I didn't notice them that much. But give it to me, Lucas. The last time the Dallas Cowboys were in the conference championship, was 1995. Brock Purdy was born 4 years later. <laughs> That's damning. How about this? You want more damning since 1996? The lowly New York Jets have seven playoff wins and three conference championship game appearances. The Dallas Cowboys have four playoff wins and zero conference championship game appearances. Jerry Jones's biggest mistake ever was getting drunk and firing Jimmy Johnson. No doubt. Hasn't, re- hasn't recovered from that. I mean, Switzer, no, no. Switzer got them over the hump, but then... Switzer got them over the hump, but that was a complete accident. The only thing that Jerry Jones has actually accomplished since firing Jimmy Johnson is installing the Rams in Los Angeles. That's it. And that's a much bigger financial deal than even the Cowboys winning another Super Bowl. But that is Jerry Jones's greatest accomplishment. He turned the Rams into a mega power financially. He got the Rams a Super Bowl. Hey, he built a... He's, he's built two of the greatest stadiums in the history of football. His own and SoFi Stadium. And by the way, I don't even want to get into it because today's about good vibes and feeling good. But somebody from the, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, oh boy, what is that? 562? I don't know what the 562 area code even is. Um, on the Xfinity Mobile text line says, Levi Stadium's an absolute disaster to get in and out of with clueless traffic cops over two hours to get out of a parking lot. But it's already an outdated dump of a stadium. I, hey! I told you that the night it opened. I'm glad you finally went and found out for yourself. I'll say this. It sounded good last night. Mark Mark Grandy felt it important that I tell you that that's the Long Beach area code. Long Beach. Keep it real. There you go. It's somebody coming up for the first time last night. But the truth is, the the egress starts when you go on a two-lane road into a 70,000-seat stadium. Yeah, it was... Uh, Candlestick, for all of its warts, and they were considerable, was right next to a freeway. And it was not easy to get out of there, but it was next to a freeway. One of the great things about the Coliseum when the Raiders played there, right next to a freeway. Yeah. It's, you know, four lanes is better than two. I realize that's a radical traffic concept, but facts and facts. By the way, 2-0 and against the Dallas Cowboys better than uh, any other record you could come up with in two games against the Dallas Cowboys in the postseason. And We got some raw data here. Kyle Shanahan, now 6-2 and as a head coach in the postseason, including 2-0 and over the Dallas Cowboys. The Niners are now overall in their team history, 18-7 and in the divisional round of the playoffs. Brock Purdy became the third rookie quarterback since the merger to win two postseason games. Mark Sanchez in 09, Joe Flacco in 08. Is he elite? The new numbers of the 
Dallas-San Francisco rivalry. The 49ers are now 4-5 and all-time in postseason play against Dallas and have sent them golfing two years in a row and have won three consecutive playoff games against the Dallas Cowboys. The all-time series record is now 19-19-1. So there you go. Next win, Ray. Next time these two teams meet, the upper hand. Speaking of getting the upper hand over a 500 situation, can we spend seven minutes on the Golden State Warriors? I think we could spend half a minute unless you want to wait on the break. We're going to wait on the break because I have just a little bit more than in a half a minute to squeeze in. But the Warriors last night took a brutal loss. The best thing about it is very few people noticed because everyone was watching football. And, See, every, and you thought it was a bad idea that they were playing up against the, the 49ers. It turns out to be a godsend. It really, really was, all things considered. But uh, the Warriors' week ahead and the reality of the math that they're looking at, it ain't good. Hey, have we got Fredell coming in tomorrow? Is, is do, do, do we know already, uh, Lucas? He has a story he has to write tonight. He's been very busy, so he's going to text me tonight, and we'll figure out what, what time works tomorrow, but hopefully. What you do is you start a dinner conversation. What are you doing for dinner tonight, Nick? And he's going to think he's about to get an invite. And then instead of inviting him to dinner, you invite him on the show tomorrow. Yeah, I already did that. We're, I think we're going to try and figure something out dinner-wise tomorrow. Nice. He's got a flight to catch, though. He's got a flight to catch. I'm saying dinner tonight is the Fugazi. He's got a story to write. Oh, well, what is, you know. It's big, big time, big J journalist. He is. That's our guy. It's a fraud. Stop it. He's going to be in tomorrow. Let's keep tell on him saying things too. like that. He stinks. When we come on back, we got more for you. We got to get a little Warriors in today. We've been in nothing but 49ers and Cowboys mode all day. Tomorrow, we will get into 49ers Eagle mode, and we're pretty much going to keep it there all week with just a little Nick Ferdell if he accepts raise insults and our invitation to come on in tomorrow afternoon uh all of our guests join us on the bud light guest line bud light easy to drink easy to enjoy it's a monster monday very enjoyable for 49ers fans indeed t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. Well, that's almost all the time we have, folks, here on Damon and Ratto. A Monster Monday brought to you by Zenny, the official eyewear of the San Francisco 49ers. Shop from over 3,000 styles, 80% off retail prices exclusively at Zenny.com. I can tell you that we will have much more on 49ers and Eagles as the week goes along. We haven't said a word about any other thing in sports beyond yesterday's game at Levi Stadium. So for just a moment, uh, I want to let you know that coming up next on the game, brought to you by Fremont Game, uh, Fremont Bank is the best of the game. We've got an hour of our very best content from the day. Uh, our man Sterling Bennett's got it up. Is Michael Irvin going to be a part of that? Of course he is. Michael was phenomenal. There's no one you'd rather hear from after a day of Cowboys get eliminated from the postseason. It still pained him. It pained him greatly. And... Uh, you're going to like what you hear out of Michael Irvin today. If you missed any of it, that's coming up in just a moment here. Uh, Sterling going to be taking it away. Grandy, thank you. Lucas, thank you. Ray, I want to wrap up today with just a little, uh, a little Golden State Warriors because, look, they won in Cleveland because nothing makes sense. <laughs> and then they proved that again by gagging at home against the Durantless Brooklyn Nets. Anthony Slater last night said another bad loss for the Warriors. They blew a 17-point lead at home to the Nets. Without Kevin Durant, they were up 12 with under six minutes to play, but Brooklyn closed the game on a 22-6 run. Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, rough fourth quarter, 0 for 7 from 3, and their record is now 23-24. and 24. When are they going to get it together? When? Under, under what circumstances... Will they begin to take this season seriously? Oh, I think they take it seriously. This might just be who they are. I saw a stat today. They are tied for 18th in clutch time, which is games of less than five-point margin in the last five minutes. Yeah. Their, their record is like tied for 19th, which would, not get them in, which would barely get them in the play-in game. This might be who they are. Well, let me tell you, the situation they're in because of who they are. First of all, you know, it's not all bad if they're trying to turn a corner on the road. On this last road trip, they won as many road games as they had the entire season leading up to this road trip. They had three road wins all year. They won three road games this last road trip. So, good. Great? No. But good. This week ahead, they got Memphis at home on Wednesday. Toronto is at Chase Center on Friday. And I'm just looking at this all here, and I'm just trying to do the math. And, Ray, you know I'm bad at math, but here we go. The Warriors basically have to win out at home. <laughs> Unless they're about to morph into something special on the road where they've squandered basically the entire season so far. There are 35 games remaining in the schedule for the Golden State Warriors. 17 of them are on the road. Agree or disagree? They'd be lucky to go 5-12 and 12 in those remaining 17 road games. Like, 5-12, and 12, based on what we've seen so far, would you be willing to say, yeah, that's probably somewhere around the truth? Oh, based on what we've seen so far, that's probably generous. But the one thing we've learned about the Warriors is there is no pattern to anything they do anymore. They look good against teams on the road, and they come home and they vomit all over themselves. The problem with the Warriors is they're not trustworthy. 
we saw trends earlier in the year where you could say, well, their starting lineup is fine, but it's their reserves who are ter terrible. That's changed some. The only thing that has been consistent about this team all year is that their defense is indifferent. That's the, that's the one thing you can bank on. Because giving up 120 to a Brooklyn team without Kevin Durant at home, that's a sign that you're not, you're not being diligent at the other end of the floor. And that's the one thing I think that Steve Kerr has complained about more than anything else. You can't guarantee what they're going to bring. And you definitely can't guarantee what they're going to bring at the end of the game. I mean, the only other thing that you could say is a pretty easy thing to sort of predict is that as bad as they've been on the road, they are a much better team when they're at home. Nets game withstanding, you know, but they're a, they're a pretty good team at Chase Center. Well, they got 18 games left at Chase Center, starting with Memphis on Wednesday. Realistically, in those 18 games, if I sold you 14 and 4, would you buy it? I'd have to look at the whole schedule, but that doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility. So 14 and 4 in the final 18 at home sounds realistic to you, as does 5 and 12 in their remaining 17 road games. So they finish 42 and 40. Yeah, that would be 19 and 16 in their final 35 games. And by the way, they haven't been good enough at one singular point all season long to be three games over 500. So they would have to play at a winning percentage unseen so far this year over this final stretch of games. And a 19 and 16 finish would get them to 42 and 40 on the year. Does that sound like a playoff team to you? Looking at the standings, yes. It's a play in team. A play in team. But if you're saying top six, quite frankly, given the fact that there are eight teams within about two games of each other, 42 and, and 40 could either get you 6th or 10th. Somebody says here, well, the Warriors are about to lock in and roll the rest of their home games at Chase Center. If you'd like to even think about having home court advantage for a singular round, yeah, you better go 18-0. You better go 18-0 because that's the only way you're going to climb to... Well, look at it this way. Even at 18-0 at home, if you don't get better on the road, you're not getting a top-four seed. It's you got to be a top-four seed to be guaranteed... A home playoff series. See, at 46 and 36, well, they, they'd they have to be better than Dallas. They'd have to be better than New Orleans. Not only, well, I guess my whole point here and what I'm trying to illustrate is they've got to be better than they have been up to this point. There's not a real sign that they're about to be that. So if they are who they are, not good enough is the only way the season ends. The only way. Yeah, I mean, if they're going, if you're going, if you're going to play forty-two and forty basketball, you're going to be gone early. I mean, the only forty-two forty team that I can remember that ever did anything was one of the two Houston teams that uh, won a championship between the Jordan, the Jordan eras, and that's it. You've got to be better than that, and the fact that they won't defend tells you that they're not ready for that yet. I want to say two things. Sports don't build character no, and no, they no, reveal no. it? No, no. Damn it. We had two passings over the weekend. Sal Bando, the captain, rest in peace. And former San Francisco Chronicle writer Gwen Knapp, whose final column, Ray, referenced you at the beginning, 
beginning and the end when she said, don't ever take any advice from Ray Ratto. It's the final column she ever wrote in the Chronicle. Fantastic. Uh, I, I've, I've, I've rarely seen you get emotional or pay tributes to anyone, but you did so for Gwen. So I'd like you to wrap up with a little note on Gwen, please. She was a genius and a madwoman. She was incredibly insightful and a bag of assorted cashews all at once. She is the only person I've ever heard of to not only drop their car keys in a toilet, but then flush them. Because that's a, that's a double achievement of somebody who, if you look at their body of work, you would say, no chance. That's brilliant. That's, br- that's simply brilliant. But she was all of it. She owned, I think, a minimum of four cats at any given time in an apartment in San Francisco. And she wasn't the prototypical cat lady, but she could have played one on TV. She was, a, she was, a, she was great. And I'm pissed that she's dead. I didn't know her well, but she was incredibly nice to me in the brief time that I did know her. Well, that was a flaw in her, in her viewpoint. She, she was right about me, though. Sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, he's gone. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.